Hmm. All right. Well. Okay. All right. Um. Just waking you up. I see some people sleeping. All right. Uh. Hey, I hope you all had a good afternoon. Hope you got your naps in, well, so you can stay awake doing this little message I have prepared for you. Um, before I start, I was going to do this at the end, but I know I'm going to forget. I just want to thank everyone who, or the whole church really, that played a part in um, generously giving us money towards our school bill. It means so much. It takes so much stress off your shoulders, and it came at a, kind of an unexpected time. It was a blessing. It was an answer to prayer. So um, I just want to thank everyone for that, and also I know the church is considering su supporting Heartland, and um, I, I'd ask you to pray for that because... I said students only pay a portion for what Heartland gives us. It's one of the most affordable schools, so or Christian schools. So um, thank you all for that. But uh, this message is not going to be as good as you normally get here. But I'm going to do my best. I'm going to give you something tonight that the Lord has laid on my heart and been personally working and convicting me about. I want to share it with you, and uh, hopefully it's a blessing to you. Um, I don't take this opportunity lightly, so thank you for allowing me to do this. Thank you, Pastor. So. Um, open your Bibles to Romans 12, 1. I'm going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read to verse 2. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and what is acceptable and perfect will of God. Um... So we see in this passage, it's not going to take some big breakdown and looking in deep meaning behind what is written. It's a pretty simple text. When you read it, uh, verse 2 starts off with, be not conformed to the world. So if you're taking notes, my, the first part of this message is going to be centered around, um, are you conforming to the world? So again, it's pretty simple. It's easy to understand. Be not conformed to this world. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Greek translation for this word. Conform, but the translation from this specific text of the Greek word means to fashion alike. And to fashion would be the manner of doing something. So conform would mean to do something as whatever the word would be applied to. In this case, the word being world. So to do something as the world would do it, to conform to the world. Um, my first kind of example of this and point would be, are you conforming to the world in your substance? A lot of Christians I met do not think uh, drinking is wrong. It's kind of an ex it's kind of an extreme point that I'm giving because not a lot of Baptists will hold this view. Um, but I've seen it before, and uh, I tend to look at what the Bible says about these things <laughs> rather than what people say. Ephesians five eighteen and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And Galatians five twenty one says envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such a like of the which I tell you before, as I have not also told you in time past, that they which do think, things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I've also heard before, some might say it's okay to drink and just not to get drunk. Um, for my senior year of high school, I did a research paper on, the, on an, an argumentative paragraph on Christians drinking, because it's kind of something that the Lord laid on my heart and wanted to look into. Um, I wanted to take the opportunity to know why, why as Christians, we don't drink. So for, the, for this paper, I interviewed um, Christians that believed in drinking, and I interviewed several Christians that believe uh, drinking is wrong and had passed with alcohol. Um, with the Christians uh, that believed drinking was okay, the main, the main thing they said was drinking was okay, getting drunk is not. Um, 
I, I asked a question. One of the questions I asked was, um, have you ever been drunk? And without fail, everyone said yes. The conclusion I came to was, even if that is true, even if you can drink and not be drunk, why would you? This is a way to conform to the world. Why sit on the line between right and wrong? Why not be beyond reproach? Why tempt God with getting close to sin that is clearly stated in verses I've read that this is sin? Are you conforming to the world and how you affect your body, which is the temple of God? Um, letter B is going to be, are you conforming to the world in your music? Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. Now, I've used this verse to apply to the argument of music and uh, uh, people listen to it, and especially people play in church. This verse obviously isn't talking about music specifically, but what is Christian contemporary really? It's, it's music, it's hymns, and it's turned and it's used, and they use certain instruments and beats or whatever they use to make it more like the world, to draw attention or to bring more people into churches or to appeal to people. And that's the, that's the really key thing, is appealing to people. Contemporary music is a way to conform to the world. The main thing the Christian contemporary in churches is a lot of times you're not looking to what it does to please God, you're looking to what it does to please people. Is this what people want to hear instead of is this what God wants to hear? It's, it's taking these small steps towards the world. And as you take these steps towards the world, you're taking these steps away from God because you can't bring God to the world. So it's, and it's all, a big reason why, another big reason I see why these churches will do this is it makes, the, they'll say that these, this music, these hymns, um, when unbelievers come in, it makes them uncomfortable. It, it, it makes, you know, you come into the church and you're uncomfortable. You're not used to this type of music. And, I mean, to that you can say, as, as Christians in the world should be uncomfortable, as Christians should be uncomfortable around worldly things, around worldly people, around worldly talk, around worldly speech, you as are, an unbeliever should be uncomfortable in the church because the church shouldn't be like the world. They shouldn't feel comfortable in the, in, in, in the church because it shouldn't be like the world. In Christians today, we see too many people conforming to the world in many different areas, and it's sad. I think a big reason is because it's easy to conform to the world. It's, it's easy. Whoever told you that the Christian life is going to be easy was wrong because it's hard. And I guarantee you every single person in here, every person has been in a spot where they want to give up. It's hard. It's hard saying no to all these things. It's, all, it's hard always having to explain yourself why I don't do this and why I don't do that. It's hard to be criticized for it. Working in secular places of the world, um, people can't wrap their head around why you do what you do. People can't wrap their head around why I would go to four years of Bible college and why I'd pay all this money to go to Bible college because it doesn't translate to real world. It's short-sighted. People, people don't get that unless you know Jesus. It can be embarrassing sometimes. It, can, it, it just can be. You feel out of place. Um, it, if, and Christians are called to be peculiar, so you're going to be out of place. At least you should be, and if you're out of place in your workplace or wherever it may be, it can be embarrassing because you're different. Being different can be embarrassing. It's so sad to see so many Christians today wearing the title as Christians, but going on your day-to-day life and not living it for God, but conforming to the world. Because not only are you doing wrong in your own life, you have that person you may have around that, that sees you doing wrong with your own life, and you have the title of Christian. That person may be around, around that you tell you're a Christian and you live your life and you do what you want. That's what they see. And that's what they tie to the name Christian. And you could affect that person's life for eternity. Imagine if your actions affected someone's spiritual life for eternity. We're put in a world today where especially in this day and age where the world wants you to conform. Especially teenagers. 
in, in this age, in this point in your life where you're, and even my age, where you're just growing and, and the decisions you make can form your life forever. They want you to stand for what they stand for. And it's sad, but it happens. We live in a day where if you don't stand for gay marriage, you're homophobic. If you don't say black lives matter, you're racist. And not to get political, but, but are you conforming to the world? Or as we see in this next part, in, in point two, are you transforming? It says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because Jesus gave us a gift. He gave us a gift when he died on that cross. He gave us a gift when he was beaten. He gave us a gift when he was hung, nailed to a cross. He gave us a gift, and it's up to us what we're going to do with that gift. What are we, are we going to deny that gift that Jesus gave us, or are we going to take the gift? And it doesn't stop with taking the gift. Even when we take the gift, we have two choices. The choice one is to totally live to him, to totally surrender to him. And this means many things. It can mean going into full-time ministry. It can mean working a secular job. But setting an example in that environment, it's not unbiblical to work a secular job. Of course it's not. We need doctors. We, sorry, we need Christian doctors. We need Christian military members. We need Christian farmers. We need Christian construction workers. You have an opportunity if you work in a secular place. And I, I truly view it like this. If, if you have a secular job, that's an opportunity that easily even the pastor doesn't have. Because he'll run into unsafe people, of course, day to day, and he'll have a chance to talk to these people. But you, in your secular place of work, wherever it may be, you spend six to ten hours a day with these people. You have an opportunity to build relationships. You have an opportunity to talk. You have an opportunity to, to learn about them. And, and it's up to you what you're going to do with that opportunity. Don't spoil it because you're afraid of what they may think. Don't spoil it because you're afraid of messing up a relationship or a friendship. Because if that relationship or friendship is messed up because of Jesus, then you shouldn't be in that friendship anyways. In Oklahoma, I work in a lumber yard, and I work about six hours a day down there. And there's a lot of guys I know aren't saved, so I, I've seen this firsthand. And uh, it, it, we have an opportunity. What are you going to do with it? The problem is there's another side to that gift. We can take the gift, but what are you going to do with it? The first good step that I mentioned was the surrender. The next path you could take is being an idle Christian. This is where you're going to take the gift, but not that. So you'll take that gift. I'll take the salvation, but I want to be able to drink, or I want to watch those movies, or I want to watch those shows, or I want to listen to that music. If I could have all this, but I could not have all that. It's, it's taking partial. It's, it's, it's not giving you all. You see... Uh, I'm saying it, here it's so easy to take some and give some, but not to give all. This verse is a standard. This verse sets a bar. It uses the words acceptable, perfect will of God. Put that some, after the, some of the things in your life right now. Is this music good, acceptable, perfect will of God? It's easy. It's easy to negotiate. It's easy to go to church on Sundays and back to whatever on the weekdays. It's easy to go to church on Wednesdays and go back to whatever on the weekends. It's easy. It's easy to fall into that rut. It's easy to be an idle Christian. And, and, and we know because that affects your prayer life. It affects your spiritual life. You're not going to have a spiritual life when sin is present in your life. And, and you're going to sin. As a Christ, as a, just because you're a Christian, it doesn't make you perfect. You're going to have sin in your life. And you're going to sin and you're going to mess up. It's what you do after that. It's, are you going to go to God? Are you going to come back to Him? Or are you going to idle? Are you going to let that sin take over your life? And it's vice versa. If you have a relationship with God, if you have a a spiritual life, a walk with God, then you're not going to have that big sin in your life, that besetting sin. It won't conquer you. So I challenge you this. I believe everyone here is saved. We took the gift. I, I know most of you, I believe everyone's saved. We all took the gift. We're all Christians. But are we going to conform to the world? 
or are we going to be transformed? There's two paths. One path is short-sighted, it's easy, but in the long run it brings sadness, depression, grief. One path might be a little hard and difficult, but I promise you in the long run, in eternity, it'll be worth it. Such a big, big problem today is people are short-sighted. I've seen Pastor do an illustration with the rope. I've seen you all see, I'm sure you've all, all seen it. But he has a 10-foot rope, and one foot is, is um, your life on earth, and then the other nine foot is your life in eternity. And it's so true because this is our life. It's short. It's small. And what we do in this life is affected in eternity. It's affected in your rest of, the rest of your days. And what you do in this life, you will pay your answer for in the judgment seat of Christ. This, short, this life is short and temporary, and I would suggest and I would challenge you and encourage you to choose how you live this life wisely. You're never too old to make that decision. You're definitely never too young to make that decision. There's always room for change. Are you conformed to this world or are you transformed? It's easy to conform, but are we going to take the extra step and be transformed? That's all I have for you tonight. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor. Thank you for giving me this opportunity, and have a good night. Good challenge, isn't it? We have the opportunity, every single one of us, uh, to every day to be conformed, which is pressed into a mold, and uh, the world certainly wants to press us into that mold, or we can be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So thank you for that. Um, um, I'm not letting you off this easy, so I ask you to turn to Daniel chapter 2, if you would, for just a couple of minutes. I'm, I just have a quick challenge, kind of piggybacking off of this. Uh, because of the conforming, one of the things he mentioned is that that's the easy way to go. And it is. Conforming is the easy way. Uh, bucking the system, living for Christ, is the hard way to go sometimes. And in Daniel, we find a young man. I, I did not know. Uh, he gave me the general what he was going to talk about, but I didn't know exactly the conforming part. But I think how well this fits together because Daniel refused to conform to a system that he was taken to as a captive. He was how many hundreds of miles from home? Nobody was there overseeing him, and yet Daniel and his friends determined they're going to live right. They're not going to be conformed to this world that they were taken to. Now, in Daniel chapter 2, this is a scene in Daniel's life. He had been there for a while now, and the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he dreamed a dream. Verse 2, he says, he commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. And so they came and stood before the king. Now, before I go into this, I just want to mention, as was mentioned here a minute ago, you face decisions every day. You face small and large ones, talking about specific areas and, and places in your life in which you can do what God commands. And you make these decisions every day, even if you say, well, preacher, I don't make any of those decisions. That in itself is a decision, if you're not going to live for God or if you will. And my section of the challenge tonight, already heard that it's hard to, to not to conform. My challenge is not to be, uh, to do what you do or the choices you make based on what you can do, but on what you should do. I want to uh, just explain that from this passage here. Then the king commanded, verse 2, to call the magicians. And he called them in verse 3, and the king said to them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show thee in the interpretation. <laughs> here was a smart king. He said, ah, ah, ah. 
I don't think so. If you if you're so smart, why don't you already know what the dream is? If you're really seers and magicians, you should know what I already dreamed without me telling you. Look at verse number five. The king answered and said unto the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, you shall be cut in pieces in your house shall be made the dung. Houses shall be made a dunghill. This king really beat around the bush when he gave threats. Uh, you'll be cut into little pieces. Your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honors. All right, so here they are given an impossible task. Now, are you ready for this? You should not do everything you can do, but you can do everything that you should do. That's the premise of my little challenge tonight. You should not do everything that you can do. Conforming is one of them. But you can do everything that you should do. We find that in the text tonight. Within a minute, we'll read what Daniel did because he had an impossible task. These men had an impossible task. In short, none of them could do it. Kim Nebuchadnezzar determined that he would want to find out what his dream was, what it meant. But he would not tell them the dream. He didn't remember it. And they had to find the dream and the interpretation. He wisely figured, by the way, if they could not interpret the past or tell the past, how could they interpret the future? And that's a good thing to say of somebody like, uh, of, of somebody of deity. So this was a wise move. Now the wise man actually got it right in verse 10 when they said, uh, they answered before the king and said, there is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. That is correct. There was no man capable of doing such a thing. Now, Daniel had no more ability to tell and interpret the dream than the wise men did. But he had a God in heaven that could. Now, look at with me in verse number 14. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was going forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. So now they're going to kill him because he couldn't tell him. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is it the decree so hasty from the king? Arioch made the thing known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him some time, and he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions, that they should desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. By the way, Daniel's in this group of the wise men. So his life was a line as well. Now, they're going to God to ask what he, uh, that he could give them uh, the interpretation so they could pass it on to the king. I love what Daniel said. Look at verse uh, number 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. So, he never say, I can't, when there's something that you should do. Daniel decided here that he would be the instrument to give the meaning to the king. Of course, it's from God. And it's a great lesson for us to, even if it seems physically or humanly impossible for us, we can do everything that we should do. We read, a, or a, a Tim read a few minutes ago on the not being conformed to the world, but to be transformed. That's a seemingly impossible thing sometimes, but we can do what we should do. Daniel shows us a good pattern for what we should do when we're faced with a difficult situation. He first went to his house, told his friends, 
and they both got together and they started to pray about this matter. Godly friends, I talked about this a little bit last week, what a blessing it is to serve in a local church with godly friends. Remember we talked about that in Paul, with Paul in, the, in Acts chapter 20? Uh, what a great thing godly friends can be in a time of tough decision. And they joined in asking God for help. And Daniel made it known to God. Before deciding that he, uh, that, before deciding and just saying, no, it's impossible, king, it's impossible. Like the men did, that nobody, no man can do this. Daniel went to God for the answer. What is your line or your first line of help? What do you do when life throws you a problem that you don't have the answer for? I don't know if you ever saw that uh, game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? But one of the things that they could do is they could choose a lifeline, if they a limited number, but they could choose a lifeline. If they didn't know the answer, uh, one of their uh, things they could do is choose a lifeline. They could reach out to somebody and ask them uh, what the answer is, uh, somebody that would be specializing in the area of the question. What do you do? Who is your lifeline? Uh, see, the problem is that we often go to the wrong source for help. That's why people have drug problems. People go to drugs as an answer to their problems. That's why people have a drinking problem. They go to alcohol to answer their problems. We need to go to the right source for our help. That's why psychology and psychiatrists is a booming business in this day and age. I've always kind of been bothered by that. The kind of the purpose of a psychiatrist is not to, to, to uh, come to a solution, but to keep you coming and uh, not to, to benefit from the problem, not the solution. So in the following verses here, God gives Daniel both the dream and the interpretation. There's something God wanted Daniel to do, so he gave him the ability to do it. In every decision that we make in life, it should not be can I, it should be should I. And if you should, God will give you the ability to can. I know that's not proper English, but you get my point. He'll enable you. If God tells you to, provide, uh, to ride, he will provide the horse. If you can, or if you should, then you can. We can do everything that we should do. God will take care of the how. I have accomplished things, and you have too, that you never thought as a younger person that you could accomplish because God helped you. And that's just, we have to rely on him. And so I can tell you, uh, my wife can attest, five, five years ago, ten years ago, we'd have never saw Tim standing up behind a pulpit and preach to these people. God did that. God gave him that ability and, and that uh, courage to do that. When it comes to serving God, whether it's witnessing, whether it's preaching a sermon, whether it's teaching a class, often our response is, I can't. Say, how do you know, preacher? I hear it all the time. <laughs> I can't. Really, the question is, should you? Should you, not can you? Because if you should, you can. I don't know about you, but I've heard, I remember as a young person hearing numerous times uh, preachers who would give testimony about when they were called to preach, they had horrible stutters. They couldn't get, they were terrified of standing in front of two people. And now they've been successful pastors for years. How? Because they didn't ask, can I? They asked, should I? And if 
when they got the message from God that they should, God gave them the enablement to do the can part. That's the question we really ought to ask ourselves. Financially as well. Tonight we had a discipleship class about uh, giving and money. It, the question shouldn't be, can I tithe this month? Should I tithe this month? Then if you should, then you can. God will enable you to do what you should. God did amazing things through Daniel, not only here, but all throughout Daniel's life. <clears throat> things that you would have never dreamed possible. And God wants to do the same things for and through you. God wants to use each and every one of you. He wants to do through you what you can't do in and of yourself and on your own. There's no telling what we can do or what we can accomplish if we uh, allow God to work through us. We ask not the question, can I? We ask the question, should I? When it comes to witnessing to another person, you ever had that prompting from the Holy Spirit, tapping on your shoulder, talk to that person, give that person a track? Can I? No. Should I? If you should, you can. Get the drift, what I'm saying tonight? You should not do everything you can do, but you can do everything you should do. God will give you that enablement. So thank you for that challenge tonight. I appreciate that. And uh, so let's do it. And when it comes to conforming, this this goes right along with that because conforming, as as was mentioned, is is easy. And man, they are making it very difficult not to conform in this day and age when it comes to things like masking. Uh, don't you think for a second that vaccination is becoming a big thing about confirmation? Whether or not you're for it, that's okay. I, you, can, you can get it or not get it. It's fine with me. I mean, I'll probably have to get it as well. And so, uh, But that's, it's, there's a lot of conforming that goes along in our world today. Uh, now, that's one thing. But when it comes to being a Christian, making choices for right and wrong, we don't conform when it comes to sin. Right, we are transformed to the image of Christ. Father, thank you for the...